um, I would like to start with uh, Bimbo. So um, Bimbo is one of those that um, indirectly works with. Um, I, I knew that back then when I was in, um, you know, one of the insurance companies in Nigeria, um, I literally used to go about looking for how to generate businesses from Bimbo. And um, I've actually met her in a pleasant capacity where, um, you know, she was gracious enough to have handed some of those businesses to the organization. And I mean, it helps me to meet my target at a point in time. But I would like to say now, now that we're talking about, you know, the untapped opportunities, um, especially in the insurance space as it relates to women. I know that you play in the insurance brokerage um, um, parts of the insurance, um, you know, entity or the insurance industry. How exactly are, have you been able to position yourself as an insurance, as a top insurance broker, you know, to attract females who are interested in, um, buying or engaging the products and services of other insurance companies. What exactly have you been um, able to achieve with, you know, um, uh, being a top female um, uh, broker in the industry? Well, thank you so much um, for me for the question. Um, when I am top female broker, it's left to see. I mean, there there is um, uh, analysis of what can be regarded as top or not top. But one thing that I can say and I guarantee is that, yes, I do play in the insurance broking field in, in, in Nigeria and I have been around for a while. And um, the basic question that, you know, what I can hear from what you have said and not said is that as, a, as an insurance broker, women either to identify the needs of the women and, you know, get their insurance needs met. Um, I would like to say that as an intermediary, um, it, takes, it takes a woman to identify with the needs of other women. It actually does take a woman to identify with the needs of other women. Due to the uh, women's traditional role of acting as conduits for their families and their communities, they actually represent a significant entry point into the family purse and the family wallet. And therefore, they're the major marketing opportunity for insurers. But before you can provide any need for, or, you know, meet the need of somebody, you need to, like, what, what is this person? Who is this person? How does this person perform? What does the female person want anyway? What is the female customer profile? Both in Nigeria, outside of Nigeria, generally, globally. I mean, we, we find out that as, as brokers, we realize that Basically, women want affordable and valuable products so that they can stretch the purse of the family better. They focus on their family needs. They will rely on their families, they rely on their friends, their neighbors, you know, to support the financial advice. They worry about their children, you know, to, uh, ex, you know, sort of escorting the children to a place where they can be financially independent. Many of us have limited um, technology uh, understanding. Many of us live in rural areas. Many of us don't even, we're not even financially literate. So, for some traits or technically savvy, how as a broker do you meet their needs? So, to actually attract many of these women to the insurance market, we brokers try to encourage insurers who are the ones who will ultimately bear the risks anyway 
to move beyond the micro insurance products, you know, like Agric Index and, you know, that some of them are doing and create insurance products which will serve the actual need of the female human being, which we call women. These products, you know, will actually, they should be simple, maybe hospitalization products, micro pension plans, family covers, you know, life insurance products that would have a cash value at the end. And insurance can actually create these products in a very basic, affordable and relevant manner, especially for the women that don't have a high level of income. For those that are in the corporate world, no problem at all. But those that are not in the corporate world, how do you include them in it financially? What is the financial inclusion anyway? So simply put, we can say that the financial inclusion is a process where you know, the individuals and businesses can access the appropriate, affordable, and timely financial products, including, of course, the insurance products. And the financial sector in which we're all playing is increasingly being made aware of this, that the client profile of women is different from men, as I enumerated earlier. And this is resulting from the cultural norms, the social economic patterns, biological differences. And to date, I'm sorry to say, but not much has been done by the insurance industry to accelerate the recruiting, the retaining, and the promoting of women. So it's causing this sector to miss out on key opportunities. So we that are in the female-owned broken houses, we recognize this fact. And we need to seize this opportunity so that we can put some put in place some gender-based differentiated products and you know the distribution, uh, the distribution strategies. There are many underserved. There are many unserved, and of course, we have those that are in the corporate world. Why is this so? Why should we have this kind of inclusion or financial inclusion? It's been research that women, we women, were willing to spend between 10 to 15% of our income on, on, on insurance if we have the opportunity, if we understand it, especially health insurance. In addition to this, Women will reinvest a lot of their money back into their children's education, back into the nutrition, back into health needs. Then the literacy levels for women is still so low, despite the fact that the educational gap is still trying to, you know, be bridged. How can insurance bill, be, you know, come to the rescue? How can we brokers come to the rescue? Simply put, by giving peace of mind with the transference of these risks. So the resultant effect is that when you are trying to transfer these risks and give these women peace of mind, you have to be able to create the products that will attend to their health, disability, all the accident-related risks, death of the breadwinner, divorce situations. In many parts of our world, when the breadwinner dies, the woman is just lost, completely lost. But if the insurance broker and the insurance industry realize of the of the breadwinner, then we can, you know, create the kind of products that will protect their hardened assets, including even livestock, you know, vehicles, um, fire, theft, natural disasters for those of them that are into farming. So when you gain this kind of you know, momentum, the timid population of women 
Inclusive insurance will help them to, to build financial resilience. Support their households, their businesses, support the communities they are from, from economic shocks, preventing them from going deeper and deeper into poverty. Of course, due to the um, rapid growth of uh, mobile technology, insurers are not able to divert ships, and I'm sure um, Jihan will speak much more on that. And so, with this continuous interaction with the insurance public, we have you know, we brokers, we've noticed that a vast majority of our women are self-employed. This means that we can actually tailor make the health insurance portfolios, for example, for female potential clients. We can add on their spouses, we can add on their children, and then of course, closely linked to the issue of self-employment is the savings culture. Many of our women have this kind of rotationary savings, like um, what we call in Nigeria, maybe a susu or something of that nature. So we can, you know, create savings-linked insurance products for them. How about in the area of pensions and retirement? Many of them don't are not in the corporate world. So are they just going to retire and at the end of the day start selling their earrings or selling their jewelry to be able to make it during retirement? We need to be able to zero in on this, uh, you know, space. The role of the female broker is to identify this need and offer maybe pensions or savings products that can allow small and flexible payment options. And then we'll give our women a, a very soft landing, you know, in their retirement. We encourage them, start early as much as you can. Start early so that even if you have, you know, a, a, a spousal death later or a divorce situation later, then you're not back into relying on the family that is probably going to be antagonistic. Anyway, we're encouraging education. We're encouraging assets, you know, protection. And um, just before I begin to de uh, deviate into, you know, the other fields where other women will, will talk about, I think I want to stop here for now. But I need for us to know that Female insurance intermediaries are in the position to access new markets, which ordinarily our women folk may not be able to access. So in a situation where there's, you know, yeah, so you can go on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, um, this obviously brings me to my next question, which is obviously um, going to be posed to Rachidat. I like the fact that you're saying um, all of these things that you've mentioned about financial you know, exclusion for female um, is actually quite high. Um, I know that according to, you know, um, IFC's report in 2015, um, you know, she for shield was given the fact that you know females are likely to generate about 1.7 trillion dollars, you know, um, in the insurance space if you know um, were able to penetrate that particular emerging market. And so, coming down to Rashida now, um, how, how exactly um, do you think that most insurance should position themselves, you know, to be able to see females? as key consumer segments, um, especially in achieving, you know, the growth that we'd like to see in our industry today. Thank you very much. And I, I think a lot has been said already uh, by Bimbo, setting the pace for us. But if you look at the IFC report, the IFC reports, you know, did a very, very deep in, uh, insight into women. Uh, and we like to call it the, the she, the she, she for shield. Like women are really the shield of the society, of their family, um, whether they have kids or whether they're just children. Women 
always care. <laughs> and many times because they care so much, they sometimes do not even care for themselves and they get to be, you know, they get to suffer in, in all of this. And, and I think that was really, really interesting for us. And, and more importantly was the segmentation of women around whether they were early career women, whether they were professionals or entrepreneurs or even low income women and the things that were more important to them. And it really reminded every one of us, not just within AXA, but generally that with the, the service of of women or serving this particular segment is actually good business. If there are going to be a market possibility of $1.7 you know, billion, trillion, um, what does that mean for us as companies? Um, and a bit more insight to you would be that women didn't actually like you know, the colored purple, pink policies. That's not what women are looking for. And it was clear that sometimes when we talk about women, you know, people just color it something and say this purple cover, royal, is women's color. Um, and that was what women were really looking for. They have concerns, they have issues, they have challenges. Are we really meeting them? I mean, not to take away from the fact that women aren't being covered. We're not even really covering people in Nigeria generally. So there's actually a big you know, divide in our provision of services and the expectation of clients and how we're serving them. So, but it's even worse for women. Many companies, look. if you look into their portfolios, at least for us, at that point in time, I think women contributed just 20% of our portfolio when the report was done in 2017. Over the time, you know, we've done different activities, we've improved, but we're not there. But we also heard a few things. Um, our salespeople, our, you know, distributors said that, you know, women are difficult. <laughs> and obviously, women ask a lot, they're very discerning, they ask a lot of questions. And sometimes they found it took longer to sell to a woman than to sell to a man. And so many people were deferring, even women advisors, salespeople were deferring to selling more to men than they were selling to women. And we had to actually do a gender retraining, a gender awareness training for our salespeople and our leadership and our, you know, the overall management to let us understand the peculiarities. We're not saying give us preferential treatment. We're just saying that women matter because we're here. We're all here together. Everyone should go along on this journey. So if only 20% of women had insurance, if we look at our management team, um, what, what's the contribution of women in there? So we had to actually take really, really strong actions as a company to ensure that we could make a big difference here. We started listening to women differently. We went to find out how, what, what, what really concerns women. If I'm a low-income woman, what's important for me? I think Bimbo already spoke about the price points. The way people collect salary in Nigeria is monthly, but we sell annual policies. Why are we doing this? Can we do it differently? So there are definitely a lot of you know, learning points for us. And of course, please stop this purple and pink and you know, fuchsia-colored policies. That's not what we're looking for. We just need you to address our core concerns. And, and a lot of women said, look, my child, if I have have one for those who have children. My child is of big concern to me. I want that my child covered. I would take care of my child first before I take care of myself. So I need something that makes sure that my child is always fine. I want to ensure that the education is in good place. I want to be sure that the family is protected because when things are not going well, I'm the one that has to, you know, sort of take care of that sort of thing. So we had to start rethinking the offering. Some of the offerings, some of the insurers have might address the needs, but can we understand whether they're entrepreneurs and can we have conversations with them? And can we be, you know, patient enough to listen, to not just run away because they seem to be asking us many questions? Because when you convince a woman, are you able to address her need? In fact, she's the one who would refer you to so many people. But of course, if you are not, if you don't serve her well, everybody will know that you didn't serve her well. So be ready for that. So you need to be able to balance that quite well. So improving our customer journey became a really, really big deal as well for us as a company. 
And as a company as well, we had to think about our employees, women employees. And my example in, in AXA for it is that we had about 50% of men and women coming in at entry level. But as we get to the most senior middle level and high levels, we had maybe 20, 10% in some instances, very, very poor numbers. And we had to find out why. Why were people falling off the track? You know, and it comes to complexities around their family life. When I started in the company, you know, you could only get 90 days maternity leave, right? And I like to remind people, and those 90 days, people thought you've already gone on holiday, so you don't even deserve a vacation again when you've taken your 90 days because you have already gone away to enjoy. Um, so some women don't even get promoted in a year where they go on maternity leave. So we had to face facts and say, look, women deserve their vacation time. So we must give them the vacation time. We must do things for them. We must understand what the issues are. Why do they fall up? They need some flexibility. Can we give them the right flexibility? And some of this flexibility are actually needed by men too. And we've just sort of taken things away. And we also didn't have enough women designing solutions, being involved, understanding the pain point. So if men are designing the policies for women and trying to understand what we need about maternity and other you know, issues that are concerning for us for health insurance, for example, as Bimbo said, how are we going to manage all of this? So, so this, these were the big things for us. And we had to rethink the whole process as a company. We have moved a little bit further, but we're probably all still far away. We need more women. When I look at young people coming in for the actuarial programs, I don't see enough women still. And we have a lot of smart young women because at the entry-level test, we see women out, outstripping the gentlemen consistently. Um, so, so that level um, needs to be addressed even significantly around technical skill sets. When we talk about digital tech, we're, we're seeing women like uh, Jihan, for example. We have more women who have the capacity for this, but how are they being encouraged? Who is giving them this support? So I would like to say, and you know, I, I know we're working within a time frame, but the, the IFC report was an opener to say, look, there's a market for women. Addressing women is good business for any company. I need to make a change. But even within your organization, what commitments are you making for women? How are you ensuring that we're not asking for preferential treatments, or we just want to have a say like everybody else, have an opportunity, but understand our complexities and support us. Uh, before, people never thought they could work remotely. Of course, COVID was our fastest accelerator. Uh, and suddenly we saw a lot more improvements in how people could be fluid and still deliver on their objectives. So, so what I'll say to insurance companies are that the women business is good business. I mean, we've increased our portfolio contribution of women to roundabout in the in the 40s. I think we touched 50 at a point, but we're still far away from ensuring the right people, people properly. We're still far away from providing the right level of solutions to, to, to customers and to women in particular. And we need a lot more women who are on the call to also rise to senior levels because if people don't go there, I mean, people like me were able to change and make sure that women could get vacation time as well as maternity leave. And we found other ways to get extra time if you needed it. We now have paternity leave as well because of course whatever you know benefits women benefits men too because you know we're, we're all in this together so so that journey has started but we must push forward to truly include a lot more people uh in, in the insurance space because they're just easing that protection we on this call are actually you know the safety net for everybody around us and we need to find a way to balance that out i'll sort of stop there uh follow me and, and allow us to, to, to take this thank you all right thank you very much I mean, that was really amazing. And your answers actually brings me to asking um, Adeolu. So I, I know that Alianza has always done something. In fact, one of the um, core research I've done into, you know, um, um, products and services for female had been, um, you know, um, 
backed off by Allianz. And, and one of it was the fact that um, there's this um, product for pregnant women that was sold sometime, um, you know, in some rural areas in South, I mean, in Africa, basically. And um, unfortunately, it probably just, you know, um, didn't um, scale, um, you know, to the level that, you know, the organization was looking at. What, what exactly do you think um, Alliance 2.0 has in place for, you know, um, females with, you know, those sorts of products in order to, you know, engage, you know, female participation in buying insurance in Nigeria here? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ale Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. Yeah, thank you, follow me. And I, I would I have to echo a lot of the comments that we already heard from Bimbo and from Rashidat. Uh, so around the, the the power, the financial power that women actually wield in their households, uh, on the most part, perhaps we're not the breadwinners, but we are the ones who control the purse strings, right? And that's it's not just in Nigeria, that's from country to country. That's been my observation, no matter where I've lived around the world, is that, um, yeah, the, uh, the men uh, think they're in charge, but it's really when you dig into it, the women who are in charge, when you look at the finances. And, and so when, when we realize that, why is it that we are, as an industry, are overlooking that, uh, again, not just in Nigeria? And um, to Bimbo's point, I would, I would argue that the, the product's already there. Uh, if, you, if you look at uh, Allianz and other insurance companies across the world, a number of the products uh, that were named here today, a number of the products that women are looking for exist. Uh, so it's, it's rather the, the focus and, and the leadership that hasn't been uh, here up, up to now, uh, perhaps. So if, if you have, um, if I look at Bimbo again, and if, we, if we're if looking at, 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 a woman, at a man in her position, would, would you hear the same passion, the same... Um, points in terms of uh, likely not. It, it's, a, it's a generalization, so I wouldn't say every man, but I, I would say in general, if you yourself are in that position, you have more sympathy, more empathy with that position. And so you can also think about those things. Go, going to Rashida's point, if you're not someone who can become pregnant, you might not think around the benefits that a pregnant person might need, that a nursing mother might need. But those benefits are there. Those benefits can be built into the products and, and, and they do exist. So it, again, it goes around to people. Most problems come down to people. So having the right people in leadership having the right people uh, focusing and, and interacting with our customers. So when you look at um, Allianz, uh, looking at the focus that Allianz has, not just in Nigeria, but across the group in terms of bringing up the leadership uh, of, of women in, in the leadership ranks. So having concrete targets that we have put into place, uh, 25% at the most senior levels within Allianz, uh, 40% in the talent pools, these are the numbers that we need so that we can have the right leadership in place so that we can have the right focus in our companies so that we can pull products together and listen to our customers in terms of what they actually need. Uh, it's not at the end of the day, not about whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. There, there are needs that each individual um, uh, can, can tap into and, and, and needs to be fulfilled. 
And in order to to fill those needs, whether you're whether whether it's around gender, whether it's around age, whether it's around um, Uh, the market needs your market within your company. So that's what we at Alliance also in Nigeria are trying to do uh, in terms of being able to really bring more women into the ranks, uh, focus on the topics that that that, that will focus on the the, the our, our female customers. Uh, and again, especially in a market like ours, this is not a woman specific. Uh, issue when you have such low penetration that there are also less women. In fact, there are less women means that there's lower penetration. So let's look at education. Mimbo mentioned this: educating the market, educating our women who usually are, are, are leading these financial purchases in the household, and making sure they understand the the place that insurance can place in terms of securing the future for their children, for their families. Looking at access, making things easy to understand, easy to get to. Um, uh, it, even when it comes to not just looking at the, the urban markets, but also going to the more rural markets. Lagos is not the only market in Nigeria. This is something that we as insurance companies tend to forget. There's a huge, huge market outside of Lagos, as big as it is. And also, again, to Bimbo's point and to Rashida's point, innovation, innovation, innovation has become such a buzzword. Word. And our technology is not to be the, the, the fastest sector out there, but even we can learn, even dinosaurs can learn, I, I suppose, once in a while. And so that's why we need more companies and need to support more companies like Jihan's company, like other uh, insurance techs, so that they can push us to innovate in, in, in the fastest way possible. Thank you very much. Um, I think, uh, okay, on, on the fact of education, I'd like to, this would be going to Marjorie. And um, based on the fact that she's actually, um, you know, a non-executive non um, board member of um, Tangier Life. So I know that in a um, leadership role, like, like um, Rashida actually mentioned earlier, um, you really don't see a lot of females, um, you know, in that particular C-suit, at that particular C-suit level. Um, what exactly had been, you know, your challenges in having or sacrifices that you've made, you know, um, in trying as much as possible to, um, you know, create your own influence, um, you know, at that particular level? What are the things that you've had to overcome? Thank you. So, Many things, a short answer. It was mentioned in the introduction that I've been a minority in many professional situations. So whether that's by ethnicity, by gender, or by age, whatever the case may be, I've had to learn to become adaptable. And being in, for example, male-dominated environments means needing to speak familiar languages in order to be heard. And... I'm sure that many of the women here have had challenges uh, similarly in being minority figures and minority, <clears throat> excuse me, representatives. And I think that for me, the major issues that I've had to overcome are actually internal rather than external. So one might look at me and say, but how have you managed to navigate the environment in which you've operated where you were younger than your peers? or you were from a different ethnic background. What I've had to do was to look inside and to think about 
where I really thought I fell short. So what was my element of self-doubt that I needed to rise above? And that required a lot of self-honesty and a lot of work to overcome. It's not easy to be in circumstances where you don't feel that you are, um, that you belong, so to speak. And if I talk about imposter syndrome, it's, it's not something that's spoken about often enough, but it is something that actually more people than we would imagine have experienced and something that one has to consciously make an effort to get beyond. And if we're sitting around, if 10 of us are sitting around a table, the stats say that more than seven of us are probably thinking, I don't fit in here. I'm not good enough to be here. How on earth did I find myself here and and are second guessing ourselves? So that's quite staggering if you think that you're probably sitting there thinking you're the only one going through that sort of mindset. So what's uh, had to be necessary for me is a lot of personal growth, a lot of self-development, leaning on mentors, developing myself in technical ways, as well as in more soft skills. So learning how to network, learning how to interact and uh, expand my horizons as well. So I would say those are the main things that I've had to really deal with. Okay, so I know again that you um, became, you know, the um, well, third female, but first um, African, um, you know, that actually led, um, you know, um, the Institute of Faculty of Actuary in UK, um, especially where it is heavily male dominated. I mean, you just had um, about 38% of female in that particular, um, you know, um, institute, even as a date, yeah. Um, how, how, again, when this one of the the things that you were able to, you know, do in order to assume that particular leadership position, or, I mean, where were the, what were the challenges you faced being, you know, you talk about ethnicity, right? Um, what were those challenges that, you know, came your way that you had to, you know, overcome? And um, what, how do you think that other female um, like you um, would be able to navigate, you know, that particular challenge as well? So I had many challenges. Um, the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries, as an example, has been going for 160 years. I was the third female. So it was really an unusual position to be in. I was the youngest president, which means they hadn't dealt with somebody who was more mid-career. This position was typically occupied by people who were in the later stages of their career, perhaps pre-retirement. And I was also the first African or the first non um, Caucasian member of the, the presidential team. And that in itself offers a challenge because my background, my way of thinking, uh, what I've been exposed to is very different from the people that I was working with. So not only do you need to be able to convey a different perspective and be able to represent the views of others who are not around the table, but you need to be able to listen to how people conduct themselves, how business is done, how agreement is reached, how conversations are had. And that requires a level of cultural agility. So do you understand in the environment where you're working and, and operating, how people do things? You don't achieve that overnight and you certainly don't achieve that by imposing your way of doing things. So fortunately, I had been a member of the council um, that I was presiding over for eight years, and that helped me to understand what is the culture and therefore 
even though I am different, so to speak, how do I get my voice heard? How do I represent the issues of those who may not be able to do, the, do so themselves? So the thing that I would recommend is using active listening skills and being really open to different ways of doing things and also not being afraid to let your voice be heard. Thank you very much. So um, this, this will bring me down to Gian. So Gian, I know you're doing fabulous things. And um, of course, uh, at the beginning of this session, we were able to congratulate you for, you know, um, the proceed funding, which, which is actually a lot. Um, and playing in a male-dominated space, especially the tech space, I, I know there's a part of, you know, insurance, but when it comes to insurance technology, you, you really don't see a lot of, um, you know, female gender playing in that space. How exactly have you been able to, um, you know, use your authority as a female um, to continuously um, um, you know, engage this particular industry? How, how exactly have we been able to overcome some of the challenges as it re relates to designing products and services that are accepted in this um, heavily dominated um, industry by the male? Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for um, your congratulations. I think one of the key things, um, I think following Marjorie's point is mainly around, you know, sort of the self-doubt and the sort of imposter syndrome that people tend to feel. I think when I first started out, I was, I think, about 23. So it was after my first job um, working in finance. So this was sort of my first uh, venture um, on my own, trying to figure out, you know, I, I chose this sort of big, huge problem of insurance penetration to sort of solve. And a lot of the time, it seemed that, you know, when you'd meet people, they'd sort of be taken aback that, you know, somebody so young is coming to speak with them or someone that may not have the 20 years experience, 15 years experience that they might have. You know, I, I often received emails that were addressed to Mr. Jihan Abbas because they, they even mistaken me sometimes to be a man. Um, and, you know, this, these kinds of things sort of I think it's more about understanding yourself and the goals the goals that you have as a person and sort of um, going towards sort of solving that. And one of the key things that helped me was I went to get my MBA because I felt that, you know, getting a piece of paper that can now validate in front of others was, was going to be helpful as we now go into sort of, as I go into building this business further. And I think, I think, so these are the kinds of things that I think may be a small thing to you, but it actually has a big impact because society tends to view you differently, unfortunately, you know? Um, and I think that was really helpful. I think in terms of the, on the product side, I would say that the, the two main issues, I think it was, it was discussed previously, uh, is really around um, sort of the distribution of the products. So how the products are being distributed, uh, you know, whether technology is used means that uh, the product can be more flexible. I think one of the main issues is that insurance companies often have tried to sell the same products that they've had for years uh, and years in the same, uh, but, but just digitize that same product without having to think about how the product would live and act in a digital light, whether that's, you know, paying in installments for the, for the product or uh, adding flexibility like add-ons and removing things that people might not want it. In the policy. And I think these are the key things that, uh, you know, has really helped us uh, as we now approach partnerships and so on, because that's the, that's the differentiating factor. With technology, the product becomes inf infinitely more flexible, uh, which means that now it can be distributed in new channels that were not, it was not possible to distribute these products in the past. Um, you know, for example, we've done, um, when you look at the, the specifically uh, female products, uh, when we were launching our car insurance product at the start of last year, 
um, when we were doing the research, it, you know, it seemed that women were having less accidents, but less women were buying uh, policies and they were being priced at the same level as men or other people that might be more risky. You know, and these are the kinds of things that, you know, by leveraging data, uh, insurance companies can now um, tailor make products or even recommend the right products to women that actually are more beneficial to them and actually fit the profile that they that they have. Uh, you know, there's no need for, for women to have to pay more when they might not even be as risky in certain kinds of situations. Um, I think another issue has also been um, around the understanding of insurance products. Uh, you know, there's all this jargon uh, around insurance. Um, people don't really understand what it is that they're covered for or what certain things might mean. And I think the simplicity that technology uh, can bring forward on that front is also quite helpful because, uh, you know, you, you only ask two or three questions to get a quote. Then you're able to buy the policy. You see like a one page summary of what exactly you're covered for in, an, in a language that is very simple for you to understand. And I think that's the, the, the power of, of uh, using technology in these places. You know, like it really makes a huge change for, for somebody when they go to file a claim, when they actually understand what it is they're covered for. So they're not even going to bother to file a claim if, if it might not be admissible, for example. Right. Um, I think following the information from the report, um, you know, I think obviously women are a sort of a huge uh, segment that should be actually targeted a lot more because I think at, at the end of the day, you know, when you look at even the income income gap, um, insurance can actually help bridge that gap through, uh, you know, increase of income, like for, for example, like saving linked insurance products and provide this extra level of security for families and for women as well. So I think targeting women, targeting SMEs uh, led by women could be a really interesting way for insurance companies to also make more money. And at the same time, uh, you know, cater to a market that has often and for a long time been underserved. Thank you very much. Okay, so this brings me down to um, Rashida. Yes, so I, I do understand that. Um, I mean, judging by from the conversation of earlier on, um, we talked about how um, you know Mansard is. I mean, Axa rather is trying as much as possible to you know balance their portfolio. Um, you know, make it um, have a bit of you know gender diverse um, portfolio. So Gianna's talked about. Um, getting to, you know, the female SMEs, which um, currently stands about um, over 70% of females are currently um, owners of, you know, um, small and medium scale enterprises. So what exactly are, um, is, what are you doing about, um, you know, um, penetrating this emerging market, empowering um, women alike and Again, there's AFTA that's coming up, you know, um, the African um, Free Continental um, Trade Agreements, which a, a lot of these women want to play um, inter-country or interstate, as, as the case may be. What, what, are, what is Axamansa doing, um, you know, to help these women? Thank you very much, Shoyumi. I don't know how much time we have, but um, I'll try and summarize. <laughs> because when you think about this, it's not an issue that started in one day, and I'm not sure it's going to end at once. It's a marathon. And therefore, we're actually on a journey to keep revamping and addressing 
So when you think about the entrepreneurs you've spoken about, lots of SMEs, I, I think during the lockdown, so many women stepped up their side hustle, by the way, and some people decided to go into it full time because they saw that there was a better benefit for them than what they were earning. Uh, uh, but the question still will be around awareness, education and access. So um, the, the access has to do with things like flexibility and Gian has spoken about it. How easy is it for you to to buy this. I like to talk about the simplicity of our language. You know, we know insurance is a legal contract, but the daring, wearing, whereas it's it's so old that we need to walk, you know, and walk away from it and try to start to say to people, this is what is covered. This is not covered. This isn't covered. If you want to cover this, you need to pay extra premiums. If you don't want to cover this, then, you know, <laughs> um, it's fine. At least you know you're not covered for it. And lastly, is that there's some things that insurance will not cover, but perhaps I can help you in finding better ways to use risk management to manage these issues. <laughs> This is, this is where we can truly help with the business SMEs. We as Axel, you know, we launched a, a product, an SME plan recently, which is targeted at a lot of women and men who are taking these risks, the risk of, you know, bringing their skill sets to offer solutions to problems. The problems could be solved by technology. It could be solved by just physical engagement or a special skill that you have. So I think it goes back to that foundation of what does insurance really do for people, for businesses? First of all, is to make sure that even the owner, the leader of the SME, uh, physically, mentally, health-wise, they are covered because if you are not in a great state of mind or in of health, you cannot actually drive your business. So I think some of us have already spoken about you know health insurance as a big conversation. So we're, we're pushing you know, health solutions, we're pushing solutions for assets and all. But I think the topic for today will be how do we overall as an industry help across Africa? The simplicity of our language is essential. There are, there are offerings that we need to, um, you know, sort of like break down the covers, decouple them. Some people will call that, I think Gian referred to them. I, I believe also strongly around flexibility of payments. The payment platforms are now varied. It's easier to actually bring them into a digital platform quickly. However, the cost of making, you know, recurring payments is still a bit high. And I think there's still a bit of work for us to do here because if you paid once it will still be almost the same cost as if you paid uh, you know each time you pay for 12 months or 10 months so how do we overcome this sort of divide how do we make it easier i saw someone talking about you know premium financing and all so this is another possibility how do we leverage credit tech companies to offer premium financing so people are truly covered i think that's still an area for smes especially and it, it depends on which sector the sme is because there are also peculiarities around agriculture there are peculiarities around logistic business there are peculiarities around being in the trade business as well and so as a company, we keep learning and listening and, you know, we are, as AXA anyway, we're trying to do this to better understand what are the big concerns and what are the things we cover and what are the things we don't cover and how can we cover more? And you sort of like remove the unnecessary frills that we have been used to as an industry because we're used to setting covers, we're used to setting things. There are also regulation around pricing. Why do we have to use a regulation that was set 
20 years ago for pricing, for example, for some of the SME compulsory covers, shouldn't we be you know, looking at more uh, frequent or risk-based or data-based pricing? So we have some fixed pricing that I'm not sure are truly representative of the reality. And so we just say, why are we charging this amount? It's because that's what the regulation says. You know? And then we have companies who will go around and, and do things. Why don't we just use innovation to find better ways to serve these clients? So this is still an area that you know, we believe as AXA and I think also as a woman and as someone who's very passionate about insurance, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa that we can truly make a difference here. Um, I mean, it's very painful for me when I see people taking credit and loans and typically the banks cover themselves. And I think we fail to realize that the, the equity contribution of our SMEs, of our people, isn't being protected. And, and why? The banks would typically say that the person doesn't have money, so they only need to cover the bank's portion. But this person has probably worked their life to get this equity contribution. And when something unexpected happens, the bank gets back the money, but they do, they do not get back their own equity contribution. This is still a very big gap for SMEs, for individuals. And the conversation isn't out there. And while as a company, we're trying to have the conversation, but there isn't any big push on the side of the financial institutions to do this. But we need to create more avenues for engaging people so that SMEs truly know, and women in particular, that this is important for you. And there are actually solutions now that we've launched, for example, in the emerging customer space that sort of addresses not just the loan company, but also the individual. Can we help you if you're ill in the hospital? Can we pay some hospital cover for you and help you? Because you don't earn an income during that period. Because a lot of these women and incomes daily. So there are solutions, hospice cash, you know, health and education policies that are on the table that are available. And, and, and like Adiolu said, some of these things are here already, but we're not making enough noise. We're not probably creating awareness in the right places. Maybe we still do all the big, all these big billboards. I, <laughs> I think I, still, I was still in a debate yesterday with my head of marketing that the billboards are nice and they're important, but is that what will really, really help people understand more? Perhaps even the language and and I think the last point I would make is the people that are distributing for us. I truly believe that insurance is a noble profession, whether you're doing it in a tech-based way or in a physical way. And you need to be proud that you are a salesperson. You know, people are sort of looked down on sales agents. And, and I think otherwise, I think they are very, very amazing people who have the ability to not just solve people's problems, help protect them when something bad happens, but they can also make a fantastic living by it. And we're doing this in AXA because we have women who are working for us. I think in our, in our distribution sales force, we have about 57% who are women right now, and we've continued to help them to ensure that they can make a living decently without doing anything wrong by helping and be, by being honest. Because if you sell to a customer today, they won't come back tomorrow. So how do we get them to just put facts on the table so that people are truly protected for what they need and don't try and cut corners just to make extra money? Because I think as insurers, we're probably not you know, putting our best foot forward. We're just uh, sort of like incentivizing them on the highest commission, not on the highest value to the clients. And the moment we don't fix this, people go back and they're unhappy with the overall results because the, the salesperson might go for the commission, but can we teach them about the value proposition so that they can truly start to have the right conversation? And if you sell value to someone and they're happy and you serve them, they will recommend you to a thousand people and the referrals are stronger and definitely better than new clients that we're just advertising to who might or 
might not understand this. So I feel that when we do this well with our salespeople, you know, educate them, engage them, and ensure they have the right tools, they will help us also drive the communication and localizing the language. Jolie says we are not only in Lagos. I agree, but I don't know any insurance company that has Yoruba or Hausa or Igbo adverts yet. None of us. So we're very culpable as well. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Rashida. So I'm just going to ask um, um, the last round of question, and this is actually to people that are, you know, aspiring to get into the insurance industry. And I'm going to start with Bimbo. Um, I know that you are the vice president for, you know, Pillar. Um, and um, there's been a lot of young people um, in the industry as well that has been looking up to the fact that there has to be like a community um, for women. So uh, how, how exactly do you think that these particular support groups, you know, will be beneficial to um, female professionals with the industry and those also looking outside, um, I mean, those outside the industry itself looking, you know, to become um, an insurance professional um, much later in the future. What, what, what would you say about, you know, that support system? Well, thank you very much for me. You know, the issue with the, the support groups is that, you know, the support groups could be either formal or informal support groups. Like uh, the Professional Insurance Ladies Association is a formal support group of which, by the grace of God, I'm the vice president. But that insurance, uh, that pillar association has been in existence for as long as I can remember. And one of the one of the pillars that we have there is that of mentoring up and up upcoming females and basically catching them young from the polytechnics, from the universities, because we go there for talk shows, we go there for career talks, we go there for, you know, programs. We have the ability to be able to, you know, explain to them what having a career in insurance is about. Because, you know, we have other sisters in the finance industry, which are accountancy and banking. But because apart from God, God taking the first place, we have to be able to let them know that insurance takes the second place in providing cover from the cradle to the grave. And when you have that uh, value proposition to borrow Rashida's um, words, you make sure these people realize that, like I said, apart from God, insurance from the cradle to the grave, it will support you. And so the support group that we have as pillar we're actually giving right opportunities to women. We support training of women. We encourage them to take the professional examinations so that there'll be the formal aspect of it, like in the, uh, you know, attached to the um, Chartered um, Insurance Institute of Nigeria. But there are other Chartered Insurance Institutes worldwide, based in London, based in you know, other uh, South Africa, East Africa, okay? And that's on the one hand. So under the under the council or under the Chartered Insurance Institute, they'll get their, their training, they'll get their leadership support. Then there's a council of registered insurance brokers also, because that is a very important aspect that the Professional Insurance uh, Ladies Association also supports. So invariably, we do not disassociate people. We do not say don't take support from the informal groups. For example, informal groups are the families. You have, you have some informal groups that are friends. You have some you know, ladies' associations, 
some cooperatives. We don't dis, we don't um, discourage you actually from um, taking um, getting support from those groups. But when you have a proper registered support group, they can mentor you. They can guide you as to these are the these are the hurdles. These are the stumbling blocks. These are the the areas where you're going to face um, acceptability as a female. These whether you're like like when I started, I started in England. I was a black woman. I'm still black. I was a female. I'm still female. The banks and the building societies all had insurance, but you still had to go out, and I was not on a salary. So I knew that I needed some, some degree of tenacity to be able to market insurance. So when you're marketing insurance from the point of view of providing a need, it's completely different from marketing insurance from the point of view of getting a commission. And then we also en en encourage them at Pillar to join other business women's networks. Because like the AFCTA is coming up now, the, the, the trade situation that is coming up, if you do not have you know, one leg, one toe, one finger in other business women's networks, you may not really be able to leverage on that effectively to market whatever it is that you have to market as an insurance professional. We, are, we encourage them to go for business training also, like maybe the Lagos Business School. It might be a little bit pricey. It might be a little bit expensive. But if you're building a, a, a ground floor house and you're building a three-story building, they're both buildings. They'll both give you shelter. But the one that is going to be a three-story building will need deeper roots and a deeper foundation. So Pillar does provide that kind of support. We encourage people to be professional in their, in their attitude and in their outlook towards insurance. And also, nobody can look down on you when you are fully grounded. You see? So these support groups are there, quite all right. The informal ones and the formal. Courage, and we as a group encourage. Past presidents exist in Pillar. They have laid a lot of foundation. We have a current president who is also uh, the managing director of an insurance company. You know, so there, there's, there's a laid down career path which you are encouraged to, you know, to follow. And of course, I may use this this forum to let Rashidad Adiolu know that we're coming knocking because the, the, you, you need to participate to let the, um, the younger ones know that you have made it in insurance. You are a, a beacon of hope. You're a light to the insurance world. So you need to align with the Professional Insurance Ladies Association actively. Okay, so the support groups are there. And uh, we'll continue to, to look up. We also, we, we have other support groups also, like I'm a member of Gaia Africa. And Gaia Africa is a business women's group that actually supports themselves in terms of, and leverage a lot on the, um, the, um, the offerings of each of these business women that have actually um, arrived in their, own, in their own fields. I'm a member of Wimby's also. I'm a, I'm a Wimby's mentor, uh, mentor. I mentor some other, you know, younger ones at uh, Women in Business, you know. So the, the, once you realize that you're stronger together, that's the issue of a support group. 
you're actually stronger together. And that's where you'll be able to face the world together and borrow from the playing in the insurance industry and will we'll continue to play by the grace of God. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I mean, of course, Rashidat and um, Adjelu are, I'm, I'm sure they've heard anyway, so <laughs> I would, I'd like to come down to Adjelu now. Um, so I know that you're a coach and I know that you actually have a passion for, um, you know, um, women, especially when it comes to inspiring women. I've heard some of your um, interviews and um, I, I could relate to how passionate you have been. And so apart from just even advising other people, um, you know, into getting into that sixth level that you are, um, you know, currently playing at, um, what, what exactly um, uh, how exactly have you been able to manage or balance these things? I know that on our podcast, you, you mentioned something um, about having a very good support system, uh, which um, for you comes in the place of family, right? Um, how are you, are you able to tackle the challenges at the office and still manage to balance, you know, um, your family time and the likes of that? Because that for a lot of women uh, poses to be a lot of, you know, challenges um, for us. So how are you able to manage that bit? Okay, thank you for allowing me. So, you know, I think how I would just success in, 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 in women in the workforce is when I no longer received this question or at least men receive it too. <laughs> However, I do understand uh, why, why this question is so important for so many women. And I'm, I'm happy to share my experiences. So I would say that for me, it's been mainly around three things. Uh, and you mentioned one, the support system. Uh, and, and that's a critical piece. Uh, going down to Bimbo's example about uh, building a three-story house. If, if you don't have the right support system there, you can forget everything else. And my support system starts with my, with my spouse and my husband. I mention this all the time. Uh, but something I perhaps haven't mentioned in the past is that when I was pregnant with, my, with our first son, uh, he was actually in Turkey for most of that pregnancy. I was in Germany. He was in Turkey. Uh, so so in, in, in that sense, uh, I was supporting him, right? So he was building a business in Turkey. I was pregnant with our first son. Um, and but this is something that he needed to do in that time of of of, of his career and his uh, his professional work, and 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 that's part of being a partnership. So now that I'm here in Nigeria, the family is in Nairobi. Uh, it, again, we're apart, um, but together because it, we always have each other's backs, and we know that at one time it might be him, at another time it might might be me. But the important thing is as uh, a Harvard Business Review article once said, if you can't find a spouse who supports your career, stay single. And that's something that has always stayed with me. A uh, second piece is around finding time for yourself. Uh, so finding time for me, finding time for my family. Uh, and that a lot of that is around setting boundaries. So I have my routines, I have my boundaries. I, I run in the morning, but, so I'm an avid runner, as, as someone mentioned. Uh, and some, that's something I need uh, exercise to, to keep me grounded and focused. I have my Friday nights, uh, Netflix and chocolates. That's something I've mentioned in the past as well. Uh, so if, if I don't have that on a regular basis, I might start to get a bit grumpy. Uh, also around uh, just blocking family time on my calendar, I will actually block time uh, to, to share lunch, even virtually with my kids uh, or dinner um, and to have that time with them, even if, if we're in the same location to make sure that I have a couple hours in the evening where I'm just offline, I'm with my family. 
spending time learning about what happened during their day. And then when they go back to go to sleep, then I'm, I'm back online dealing with work. And then the third piece, the third and last piece is none of this could happen. So it starts with people, it ends with people, is without having a great team in place. So I've been really blessed throughout my career to just always have great teams, great colleagues, great bosses uh, that uh, really, so you can have all the soft skills you want around discipline, around uh, time management, around um, delegation. But if you don't have the people to delegate to, then it all falls apart. So that's what I would say. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's pretty much interesting. Okay, so I'm going to Marjorie now. And um, I, I mean, this has to do with the fact that Rashid earlier mentioned about, um, you know, not having enough actuaries, female actuaries in um, in the insurance space, which is actually true, um, judging by the numbers. Uh, if we're going to even start from, you know, our local market here in Nigeria, and then looking um, at this um, across Africa, um, as well as internationally, there are not um, a lot of females, you know, participating in that particular space. So what advice would you give um, an upcoming actuary? Someone like me now, I, I think one of the things I've done was to shy away from actuary. Um, it, it just felt like a whole lot of cons and, and it didn't seem like I had the capacity. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, uh, what would your advice be to, you know, um, young professionals that are looking to um, play in that space? You are a fellow, so that's, that's really like a very uh, major achievement. Um, so what, what exactly do you think that um, we should, um, we require to, you know, attain that height? Thank you for me. I would encourage um, people looking to go into the profession to ask themselves the question, is this something that would interest me? So have you done your research about what the work involves? Have you done your research about how the work is going to evolve? So actuarial science, as I studied it many years ago, is not the same as it is today. There's a lot more technology involved and things are changing at a rapid pace. Is that a domain you want to play in? How are your strengths aligned with that field? And where are the opportunities that you could tap into? So if you're answering yes or yes, I'm interested to all of those areas, then go ahead and look into the various qualifications that you can pursue. But I would actually say that success in that domain is less about technical expertise, because if you apply yourself, if you study hard enough, you will achieve the examinations, you will get through them and you'll qualify. But will you have what it takes to succeed is the question. And so the areas that I would encourage people to develop and look into are being curious and continuously learning. We finish our exams and we get these qualifications and we think that we're done. And that's never the case, as I'm sure the women around uh, this virtual table would agree. So whether it's Advancing your knowledge in your current field or reinventing yourself in a new field, there's always going to be something to learn and to discover. Secondly, I would encourage them to develop people skills and in particular to be able to network. I can't emphasize this enough and how vital this has been for my own career. And in fact, in a very convoluted way, the reason that I'm here today um, is through having served on Tangerine Life, which came about through a series of discussions through my network. I would also encourage you to try new things, explore and open doors when you see them. So be open to possibility because you never know what's around the corner. 
yes, it's great to have ambitions and yes, it's great to have plans, but it's also great to be open to things that come your way that are unexpected and could really reveal new possibilities that you hadn't considered. So a combination of technical skills and your soft skills as well, I think is key. Thank you. And, and coming um, to that in terms of technical and soft skills, this brings me to Gian. Okay, Gian, I know that you are really young and you are playing in a space where, um, again, you don't have a lot of you know um, female players within that space. You you tend to have. Uh, I mean, it's it's upcoming now. We are having people that are constantly looking um, to play in the tech space. I'm talking about female the female gender. But um, what exactly um, do you think that you can advise, you know, these um, young professionals um, and people that are looking to, uh, you know, overcome some of the challenges as it relates to being um, uh, played in an tech space? Uh, yeah, um, I would say that. I think the main sort of my background, if anybody doesn't um, know, my background was not originally in, in insurance. So I had a completely different career before this, um, but sort of saw the opportunity in the insurance industry and sort of uh, had to learn more about the insurance products, how they how everything works, you know, the risk aspect of it all. This is not something that I knew, but I was really interested in, in understanding it and solving this problem. Uh, and I think the main thing is being able to adapt, you know, seeing opportunities uh, and being able to adapt. I think when you look at startups and and you know these sort of up and coming fintechs and insurtechs the main thing is being able to adapt because even the company you might start off in might not be the same company two years down the line because you might have had had to change the trajectory completely depending on what people what people are interested in and what people want um, in terms of uh, technical skills I think um, maybe understanding more around the technology side of things you know around new kinds of technologies like AI and the uh, adoption of AI in insurance, how that could sort of help uh, sort of, um, you know, speed up certain processes and even data. I think these are sort of like really important aspects, uh, but more on the technology side uh, that really, I think, work hand in hand with insurance and could be uh, really interesting to explore for anybody who's maybe looking to maybe set up an insure tech or wants to go into the insure tech space uh, in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so um, I think the last person I'd like to ask this, um, I know, Rashida, that you've actually won, um, I mean, a couple of years ago, you won the, um, you know, um, Women Young Professional Award, and that was based off your impact, you know, um, at AXA Mansard at the time, which, which I think that is actually very commendable, uh, being a young professional at the time when you want it and being a female. So um, what, what advice would you give people that are, you know, looking to create that much impact um, in their respective environments? It, it might not necessarily even be in the insurance space, but just so much that they are able to add value um, um, as much as possible and then are recognized for, you know, those values that they've added over the years. Um, how exactly would um, you advise them go about that? 
Thank, thank you for me. Um, already the advices have started. I think I've had some amazing um, advice from all the wonderful women on the call from being adaptable because nothing is fixed forever. I, I think maybe that's the first thing. Um, I feel that adaptability is so essential in the new age we're going into. When we went to school, they only taught us how to learn. They did not teach us how to unlearn. But now you have to keep on learning old things and learning new things all the time. So this is for all of us that are young, old, or you know, young at heart, whichever way place you are in, I think that adaptability continues to be um, very critical. And women have the skill to do this because the way we move from being a young single lady to having children and being so passionate about kids and then taking care of our parents, we sort of keep learning how to manage one way or the other. So we need to sort of tap into that strength and, and keep going forward. So adaptability is first for me. I think curiosity is so important. Sometimes we're not curious enough. We're not asking enough questions. So from Gian, from Marjorie, Diolu, I've heard all of that, Bimbo, that, you know, curiosity, I think, has helped me in my own career because I just wanted to learn. I wanted to understand. I remember why, I mean, I was a chartered accountant and I asked one question from four different people in underwriting in my company because I needed to take a decision for the company. And they gave me different answers. And I said, what? Different answers. I'm confused. So <laughs> I went in and just started doing the insurance exams, not because I needed a certification, but because I needed the knowledge so that I could take better decisions for the company. Sometimes we're just not curious enough. And I think curiosity has helped me and it's something we should keep doing. Um, we have a penchant for getting certifications in Nigeria. I love the point Marjorie made on exams. Some, I mean, we're looking for actuaries, we're grooming them, but many people are just chasing exams and not chasing the application of the knowledge. And that's my fear that they would be irrelevant because you need to be able to transfer these skills in different situations. And when I hear Gian says, I didn't start as an insurer, I just think about how she's transferred her skills to a different problem. So please, I'll say to young people, don't just chase certification for the sake of having it. Or they say they're paying them, actuaries, they're paying them plenty money. This is Nigeria thing, you know. Uh, that's why we should go, hey, CFA, ah, more salary. They won't pay you this more money. So they, people are chasing this, but they don't even have passion for it. They don't even know why they're doing it. They don't even know how they're going to leverage it to grow in their career. So please pay attention to the knowledge, to the value. Ask more questions. Don't do it because Rashida is a chartered accountant or a chartered insurer. Do it because you want to be that. And some of us might be lucky. I grew up in a home where my dad told me I could be anything I wanted to be. So you might not have that opportunity, but I can assure you that you can be anything you want to be. It's up to you. You have the power to hold yourself back and the power to take yourself forward. I know we talk about imposter syndrome, but honestly, just wherever you are is the right room. <laughs> and if you believe that, you know, you can make uh, an impact. And, and perhaps I'll stop at saying that don't wait for a title. I think in Nigeria, we're too title focused, especially maybe in Africa as well. Maybe people feel that way. You feel that you're not successful until you get a certain title. I, please don't tie yourself to titles because titles are fleeting. You know, if you're not under that title, then who are you? Have the essence for yourself. We, we all work because we're chasing some title because our boss told us that. But remember that every skill you get is for you. It's your skill. There isn't any men in black, you know, thing where they will erase your memory in a company right now. <laughs> 
So, so be fantastic, be fabulous, because everyone wants to be with a great team player. Every success has many fathers. We all want to claim it. But what failure is not just an orphan, you know, they use some other derogatory word for it. But you, you it's it's about you, but it takes a lot. I, I read recently that cows don't give milk. And I thought, what does this mean? And, and it says cows don't just give you milk. <laughs> you milk the cow, <laughs> which means that you need to take, you know, someone sits down, cleans the cow, pulls it. So some effort is required. The younger you are and you start putting a lot of pressure on yourself and challenging yourself, the better your muscles become used to that. You become very fluid. You are able to apply yourself. But if you're in a space where you're not challenged when you're young, honestly, or you think they've not paid me a million dollars yet, so I'll work for them like 10,000 era. Even when you get a $1 million opportunity, I'm afraid you will not have the capacity. So as you're young today, if you're for some of the students in FGC that are on the call, and for those of us that are on this call as well, and I think for those who are moving into their next phase of career, you know, everything is possible still. I would say to you, um, just challenge yourself, challenge, leverage on what you think you can bring to the table, set your own definition of success. Don't compare yourself to others. We tend to do that a lot as well because you can't use someone else's clock to check your time. <laughs> so, so you have to find what success means to you, not about certification, not about just the degrees, but just try and make yourself happy and excited and be passionate about what you do. And I, and I believe you should make a big difference, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm all that some of the people on the call and the women here, it's amazing what you're doing. Uh, but I, I'm also always willing to learn. I think, you know, I can learn from everybody. And, and I hope that, you know, you will never, we, will, we will all never be the, just the smartest person in the room. I look for smarter people around us because this is how you can truly share knowledge and, and be together. Thank you. Thanks for following me. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to actually leave the Q&A session for Damola, um, who is currently on the call. So Damola, over to you. Well, I mean, this has been a very interesting uh, conversation and uh, I mean, it's been power packed. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we're very much fast spent on time. And so uh, <clears throat> at, the, at the end of this, I would uh, definitely call on someone from um, FDGC Shagamu who's going to um, say a few words. But, but then before, before that, um, so we have a few questions uh, because of time, maybe we'll just ask uh, one or two. Uh, we have a few questions from before now, and uh, what we're going to do is, uh, as much as we can, we would um, get these questions answered and send via email to everyone who has attended. Um, so uh, we have Anjali from India, and she's asking, um, you know, well, what? I mean, this is. Uh, maybe I could ask uh, Rashida this, but I mean, anyone can can jump on. Oh, you maybe maybe Adeolu. Uh, so, what is the future of uh, life insurance? Uh, I mean, Alliance 2.0 now, and looking at it from a perspective of what what the future can hold. You know, what is the future of life insurance uh, from the Alliance perspective and from your experience? Okay, thank you for the question. For the question from India. So for, for me, the, the, the future of, of life insurance is the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and why I say that is because uh, I would say that up to now in, in this market, uh, not all markets are the same, but at least in this market, the focus has been much more on, on non-life uh, products or so short-term products, uh, home, uh, motor, uh, those kind of things, which is, which is critical, right? But we, we really need to, as, as we become older, 
as a as a industry uh, as a customer group um I, I know that the i know that the current uh average age is is rather young in in Nigeria and across Africa compared to some other continents but we will age right and as we age we need to think more and more about our future and more more around what happens after we retire what happens not just to us but what happens to to our families and to the people who depend on us uh so if we look at our our culture aspect where many times we're not just a breadwinner for our immediate family what we're earning uh, for the entire village or for the extended family. So what happens when these funds stop coming in? And this is what more of us need to think about um, as, as, the, as the customer group continues to age. And this is where life insurance comes in. And it can be a critical piece of your retirement planning. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the other question I would love to ask, uh, maybe, um, maybe Rashida could help here uh, briefly. Uh, so the, someone here is asking uh, this junior from Nigeria. She's saying, "What is the importance of having an insurance plan? I mean, for the benefit of even uh, the students who are who are on this call as well, there are still a lot of questions they also are asking about even this thing called insurance. Uh, even me myself, I still have some questions that you know. But you know, but what's the essence of having an insurance plan? Not to talk about working in the insurance space." Oh, wow. Thank you. Thanks. I, I would say it's, you know, I'll try and, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time, but insurance is um, more or less a financial management tool. So everybody likes to say, I have money in the bank, but your money in the bank is the money you've worked for. Insurance is like that extra layer of money in the bank that protects both your money and your assets. And why? If you, for any reason, you know, we don't play, we don't pray for it. I know in Nigeria, God is in control. It's a big conversation for all of us. But sometimes health-wise or sometimes mentally, you need to speak to someone. It doesn't mean something is totally wrong. It just means you need to go through your thoughts with people. From a health insurance perspective, if you had to pay out of pocket every time for everything you're doing, it means that you might not be able to plan and you might not have financial liquidity or access to money at a point in time. So if you have an insurance policy for health, for example, it means that you can just go to the hospital and be treated. So you won't stay at home and say, oh, I'll be fine and treat yourself. But you want to check what exactly is wrong with me. So having an insurance policy is that extra financial coverage for your for your money that you will have spent in the hospital because you have bought a health care for a fixed known amount that will help you protect yourself from an unknown larger amounts that could, some people say that we're one, you know, illness away from poverty in Nigeria because an illness could wipe out all your funds. So, so if you look at it from a health perspective, that's why. So let's say you're healthy and you have acquired money and you've bought some assets. Imagine if something unexpected happens, a fire, a flood, and that asset that you've spent all your life to protect, you know, just goes up. Um, you hear about all the market fires. You don't want to wait for the government to give you money. If you had insured it, you know, instead of, just, you know, just uh, getting some freebie from your friends or contribution, the insurance company will have met and taken you back to where you were, ensuring that you are able to recover 
from a loss that you didn't plan for. But, you know, some people say, what if it doesn't happen? Then that's where the insurers have to then find other value adds to, to give to you. But what if it happens? What could it be? During this harsh period that we've all suffered after COVID, it's even the worst time for you to have an unplanned expense. So insurance can help you in that aspect. And I think the final last one that resonates with many women on this call and men is that, God forbid anything was to happen to the breadwinner in the house or to yourself. Imagine, you know, so many people get lost, they go into prostitution, their family dreams are never achieved because they can't afford to pay school fees anymore for that wonderful school that will take your child to the future place you dreamed of. That ambition you have for your family might never be achieved if something unfortunate happened. So having you know, education policy or life insurance makes a big difference. I've seen children that have finished school and continued into university and that was paid for by the insurance policy their father luckily took up because their mother didn't probably have a job. She, she was doing some side business. Some women are full-time housewives. What could happen to that family if something were to go wrong? And it's the other way around. It could be male or female. And I think insurance just has the ability to be a safety net. Your family members could help you. Your brother or sister can take care of your child. But what if they don't have money? That, that's the real question. So they might love it. They might want to do it, but they just cannot afford it. So putting away something small could really make that huge difference for you. And you don't need to be married or old to start. You can start from when you're very young because it's even cheaper to have certain life policies when you're young. You might not know who is going to be the beneficiary, but keep changing it over time. So I'll just say to you that insurance is this financial tool that makes sure you don't go and empty your bank account to deal with an issue because the insurer helps you to take care of that first. Don't go for an insurer just because your friend works there. Go for them because they have the capacity to be there for you because they address those needs. And I think as insurers, we're also working harder to further improve the way we communicate this. But there's just something amazing about insurance that if you don't have it, you are definitely missing out. Thank you.